0: Issa Radio 89.7 FM. This is Arts Monday Simposis. My name is Ira, and I am currently on call to choreographer Sarah Black to talk about her dance piece Double Beat, which is premiering at the Riverside Theatres in Parramatta on May the 5th. Double Beat explores the oral and physical responses the heart and pulse present in differing emotional and physical states, while also considering the relationship between these emotional and physical states and the environmental conditions we encounter and create. Our pulse, in other words, is a great indicator of the interrelationship between us and that which surrounds us and is a constant soundtrack to our lives to which we often pay no or little attention, which is what Double Beat aims to change. Sarah, good morning. Do good we morning. Have you, the line? We do. you do, yeah. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. How are you this morning? And where are you calling us from? What surrounds you as you speak to us?
1: I'm actually sitting in bed
0: <laughs> <Nice>.
1: <laughs> um,
0: in the wonderful uh, Parramatta
1: Artist Studios, which I'm staying in while we're making the work, which is right next to the Riverside Theatres. And it's wonderful and peaceful today because it's a public holiday and they're not building. So I'm enjoying that.
0: <laughs> Beautiful. Talking about the work, uh, the work, as I mentioned, is called Double Beat, and yeah. I have briefly introduced some of the themes or topics that it explores. Could you tell us a bit more? And firstly, I'm curious about how this work came to you in the first place. What was the initial impulse behind the idea to make this work? Yeah,
1: yeah, of course. Um, so Double Beat,
0: it's, it's essentially, it's about our really
1: individual heartbeat rhythms. Um, Which we, particularly during this process, has been so much more enlightened to how different they actually are and uh, the way that we connect to those rhythms and how our heartbeat also connects to the rhythms and the systems of nature. So it's quite an intimate work. There's only a cast of three dancers and we've been told that it's from people who have seen what we've been working on that it's very meditative and very Mm -hmm. reflective. And I really wanted to make it just about the dance and the connection that those particular dancers have to those themes. So there's no projection or props or anything like that. It's really pulling everything back to the movement and Mm. their sort of honest responses to the things that we've been investigating. And so uh, the initial seed idea came actually quite a few years ago now um, when I was pregnant with my first child, my son. So he's six now. And we went to get the ultrasound scan very early on in the pregnancy. It was about five weeks. And it was just, all we could see was just this little flicker pulse. Mm-hmm. And it just really amazed me how we were seeing this, the really beginning of this beat and rhythm that was going to sit inside of him for the rest of his life, albeit it, of course, has changed a lot since then. It was, you know, it's so incredibly fast in those early early days. But I realized how little I had connected to that within myself and that we all hold this very personal beat within us that we can hear and we can feel, but we don't pay much attention to it unless it's, um, unless we're anxious or unless there's something sort of traumatic going on or unless, you know, we've been exercising. So it's more that we're aware of it when we're in a state of distress, not when we're in a sense of calm. And I really wanted to tap into that for myself and investigate that a little bit more what what is this thing that is constant within us and and what does having these very different beats how does that affect us As, does it you know does a different rhythm in a different body make us different people? I don't, I don't know mm. yeah so that was kind of where the, the first seed. Seed came from and lots of beginning explorations early on, and now we've, yeah, it's been a really enjoyable process tapping into that for all of us.
0: Mm. You speak about this beat that is constant within us, mm-hmm. but you also mention how one of the things that surprised you and your collaborators is how different these rhythms are. And when you so speak different. about this difference, I'm curious is it difference within one individual body from uh, moment to moment or condition to condition, or also difference uh, between bodies? And each of us has a different rhythm that we bring into this world
1: yeah all of those things yeah so it's been quite I mean it's an amazing thing to really sit down and record your own heartbeat which is all of this is the recording and all of this really tapping into the sound of it has come from our composer Alex Denison um because initially for me it was more the sensing and and feeling the pulse in the body through meditation and different exercises but when bringing her in we've been able to listen to them as well mm. and hearing your own heartbeat in these different states of when you're coming out of a meditation or in rest or after exercise or when you're feeling uncomfortable in a particular environment, um, which we've managed to capture. Yeah, it's amazing to hear those changes, particularly if fear is kicking in. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, what has been most astounding to me is the difference from people to people. And that sometimes it's really surprising, like we've had really people that have seemed very calm people to me have had these really fast sort of almost single beats at a resting resting pace of this sort of boom 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 almost club beat (laughs) inside them Mm. and then other people it can be sort of more like a gallop a really slow gallop for me mine is quite consistent it really holds its its beats consistently and for others it's quite irregular and shifts and changes sort of keeps you on your toes when you're listening to it so yeah it's 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 amazing how individual everybody is. I kind of afterwards I've been going. I want everyone to know what they sound like. Mm. <laughs> I want everyone to be able to yeah. And it's not hard actually. We've one of the best ways we've found to record it is just with an iPhone, you know, a phone.
0: Mm. So you're just so, using your phone and putting it next to your body. Yeah, to yeah. Sound to record That's so. right.
1: Alex has used a few different um, things, which I can't remember the name of right now, mm. but we were able to capture quite a good one if you sit very still, just holding your phone, skin to phone. Mm. Um, and you can't hear it very well back through the phone, but when you plug it into headphones, it's it's incredibly clear. And uh, yeah, I recommend it.
0: <laughs> mm. I'm curious um, how these themes that the piece is exploring, such as these differing uh, pulse and heartbeats, dependent on different emotional and physical states are explored Mm. through movement so what kind of movement languages are you creating in order to communicate these ideas to the audience yeah
1: i mean we're all very trained in contemporary dance so that's our background but i've tried to keep it quite authentic to the cast and their responses to different environments so we've been working a lot with improvisation and improvising in different locations and also then trying to bring those sensations and feelings back into the studio so sort of almost like finding their authentic movement in different places and in some instances we embellish that and push it further and drive it into more of our contemporary dance practice but a lot of the time it really was their initial explorations in particular environments Mm. and bringing that back to the stage. So we've been looking at how, how we respond and also how our heart responds in different locations, whether it be urban environments or moving into nature. And we've been looking at also more climate affected areas. So we've been looking at where the floods have come through down at Parramatta River. And we went out to the Pitt Town Lagoon Um, to do some research out there just to see how sort of more lush environments or environments that have been affected recently, how we feel in those different spaces, but also looking at more industrial spaces in Parramatta at the moment, which are quite intense with with all the work that's been going on. And then recording our hearts after as well Mm -hmm. and just seeing how they sound and where they sit as well as the physical Mm -hmm. sensations. And another spot where we were very lucky to have access to was the University of Sydney's anechoic room Mm. and their reverberant room. So in the anechoic room, there are no reflections of sound and no electromagnetic waves can enter the room. It's all incredibly insulated. And so for me, the reason for going in there was to sort of feel what it would be like if those vibrations of nature that we experience every day if there ever came a point where those were completely gone what that would be like and so that was sort of the closest way we could think of trying to sort of create that feeling and it was interesting how different everybody's response was in there for some people it's quite an anxious making experience you're so much more aware of your own body sounds because Mm. there's nothing reflected in the space and then for others they sort of described it as a cocoon and Mm really enjoyed that sense of quiet and stillness and being in that space. Mm. And that's what it's also been so interesting is we're all so different and we have very individual responses to different locations. And for some people, what brings you joy other people find uncomfortable. <laughs> mm,
0: which is um, a beauty, beautiful spectrum of the fabric that we make as human beings.
1: That's right. Yeah. And so we've tried to sort of really stay true to everybody's different responses um, there was also the reverberant room in the University of Sydney, which was the opposite to the anechoic room, where in the reverberant room, everything is really alive in that space. So any sound that you make really bounces and travels and comes back at you with quite a lot of volume and just seeing the ways that we want to move in these different environments.
0: Mm. Speaking about that, how in all these different spaces you have been exploring the Movement responses, I suppose, of the dancers yes. to various yeah. sites. And you speak about uh, being trained in contemporary dance, but you have used some other methodologies, some kind of other somatic practices that we could call them, including meditation. Is this something that you employ in your practice in general, maybe yoga and meditation and these other ways I of do. accessing movement?
1: yeah i do I'll, I'll often um i mean i practice meditation myself but i often use it as just a way of, for people to focus um focus themselves before we go into development or whatever show we're making but i also do quite a lot of body awareness practices in terms of awareness of your own physical body and its state every day but also your awareness of where your body is in space in whatever room or environment that we're in and then the awareness of your body in relation to other bodies in the room and tapping into the energies of the other bodies in the room, especially as we work so intimately together. So I've often used it as a practice to sort of really bring everybody together as a group, as a unit, and also, yeah, just to heighten your own awarenesses before we go into a process. But for this show, it's been very different because it's sort of been the core of bringing everybody together to sort of tap into those sensations to a next level and the fact that they were able to do that in the studio and then take that practice out it's really heightened everybody's awareness in some ways not always a positive way people then have to head into the traffic on the way home after being in the studio in this kind of heightened state of awareness and then sometimes going out into the world can be a little bit overwhelming but yeah, everybody often speaks about how when they go home, there's a lot more that they're aware of in terms of their physical sensations, the things that they can hear and then how that's making them feel. Because we quite often close ourselves off, I think, to a lot of things that we're experiencing. So they're sort of opening opening up into that world a little bit, mm. which has really brought them together as a cast as well. So. They're very strong in the way that they move and communicate in the piece, which is a really, it's a joy to watch.
0: Mm. And then when translating this rehearsal process onto the stage, Firstly, you spoke about working with experimentation and improvisation. So does that mean that the piece that we will see on the stage will also be improvised, or are you working with more set choreography than that? Will we be experiencing the same kind of thing from night to night or some variations on the team?
1: Yeah, a lot of it is improvised, but it's within structures. so mm-hmm. it will be very different from show to show, but the you know the order of events, will be the same and then within that there is a few set moments actually not not many a lot of it is improvised but yeah they what they're working with in each of those improvisations is very specific and very clear to them um so it will you know you'll definitely get the same sense of each section every night but yeah they have a lot of freedom to play within those moments so I'm sure yeah there's a lot of letting go as a choreographer when you work with improvisation because you you don't know what's coming which is actually I quite enjoy and you have a lot of trust in the cast that I work with as well so I can sit back and just know that they're going to really tap into what we've been working with and it's going to be beautiful each time yeah
0: Mm. And are there specific images or thoughts that uh, you're encouraging your dancers to carry within themselves and their bodies as they move, perhaps some kind of narrative even or something more broad than that?
1: Uh, Mostly, it's just really being true to the experiences that they've had
0: Mm -hmm. in
1: this process and really trying to reconnect with that and be honest to what that was first time around. There's a couple of instances where we've sort of said, okay, we'll take that initial sensation and push it and see where it goes. But also, yeah, this, uh, sort of visualising different systems and the pumping and spinning of the blood in the heart and where that might travel to and how that might make you want to move. Yeah, looking at those physical systems and it also just was really responding to the driving beat of the recordings that Alex has taken and seeing where that takes you as well, listening to the heartbeat and letting that just sort of push you push
0: you through the space mm-hmm. I might just as you're mentioning Alex Dennison, the composer of the piece I might play in the background of our conversation a track that she's composed for it and maybe that's a good moment to also speak about the sound and how you met Alex and also I'm curious how clear were you from the beginning what kind of sound you want, wanted how clear or direct your directions at the beginning were to her Mm.
1: Well, I, Yeah, I'm working with Alex because uh, I was talking about the project with mutual friends and they recommended her. Um, and so much of what it has become is all because of Alex. And I think initially I remember early days was talking about rhythm and um, wanting, you know, driving rhythm in the work. Um, but for me, you know, I was thinking whether it would be drums or something like that, whether it would be an organic sound or a synthetic sound. But the, now that Alex has brought all that she has to it, we've been doing so much recording of the body. And I think with what you're listening to now, if that's the Cluster Heart track. Yes. So, yeah, she's, so we've, she's taken these recordings and the way that she's worked with them, I think everything in that track is all heartbeats and breath and sounds of the body. But she's processed the heart sounds and used the different harmonics of the heart as they come out to create different sounds and fed it through delays and sort of manipulated those organic sounds in a way and i didn't know this until the other day when mm. we were talking about this track and she said oh yeah this is all hearts like, what how, how is this all hearts there's all these other you know the yeah the, the harmonics of it and the way it's it sort of travels i just yeah I had been listening to it for a long time and I wasn't even aware that that's all that that was, mm-hmm. was the recordings of the people that had been in that room. So yeah, it's really, it, she's brought so much depth to the mm-hmm. process mm-hmm. in that way and also in the making of the movement because we have access to all of those sounds and to be able to respond to them. Yeah. So, and, and she also then started recording the rhythms of nature mm-hmm. and the environment and that's that's fed through as well but we're sort of at that cusp point of decision making whether it's purely those organic sounds or if we're going to start to introduce more synthetic sounds to represent the rhythms that we've discovered along the way so we're still not quite sure which way it's going to go yet but so yeah you're still definitely working be...
0: on the sound at this stage it's not yeah finalized absolutely yet? Okay. yeah it probably won't be finalized until the day before we'll be keep mm. playing with mm. things does that mean that the dancers will hear the final sound for the first time on the stage? Probably, yes. Wow.
1: Yeah, there's a there's a lot that we've been um, doing without sound at all, and then Alex has been working and then bringing things in and putting them on top. So yeah, we're definitely not creating movement to a track. It's um all happening alongside each other and things sort of pop up along the way and we try different things and new things with the same improvisations and just see what seems to work
0: yeah Mm, that's Interesting because also the sound will affect the way the dancers move, I suppose. Um, absolutely, and the yeah. the way they it will. feel, so um, yep. having that very raw experience, for, especially on the first night when they hear it for the first time, will be yeah. very transportative, I assume, for them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And as well, yeah, from the outside, it just has... It has such an impact on how you see the work, sound is it's very powerful, very driving. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where we've you know, we've had a lot of conversations of how descriptive or prescriptive we want to be about these places that we've been, or do we wanna pull back from that and just be a little bit more ambiguous as to where the dancers are in each moment. So yeah, we're still playing with that and seeing seeing how we think it will read best.
0: Mm-hmm. Sounds beautiful, and uh, I'm imagining now listening to this sound and thinking about the bodies on the stage, and then I'm mm. also aware that you have worked with the lighting designer. So what kind of lighting have you chosen to use? We're still
1: in yeah, that collaboration process in terms of the lighting and where we want to head with that. So our wonderful designer, Veronique, will be coming in and watching more runs of the work because that's the thing with contemporary dance as well is you can't go here's the script this is the journey um you can go and plan make a lot of plans based on what it's going to be because we don't know (laughs) um and things are always changing so we're sort of letting the world settle a little bit on the floor um and she's got a lot of ideas but in terms of which way we go we're still working on that but also i do also want to mention um the costumes as well Mm -hmm. that have been designed by elissa Gelbart. we've talked a lot about where we've been doing our research and wanting to keep it as sustainable as possible and elissa has come up with this wonderful natural dyeing process that she is bringing to the work so she's sustainably sourced all of this fabric but she's gone out and been dyeing all of the costumes with eucalyptus leaves and using the different colors and organic colors um that have come out of this dyeing process into the fabric that she's making and it's it's incredibly beautiful and so surprising the colors that are coming out of that so once we know what that kind of colour palette is that will also help with the lighting Mm -hmm. um, side of things because there was a lot of experimentation going on there as well for Alyssa to not she couldn't really know exactly how it was going to come out Um, so she was trying a lot of different dyes and there was a lot of um, deeper sort of copper reds but also some sort of greens and yellows have come out so once we really settle into that colour palette then that will help inform the world that we want to create uh, with the lighting as well.
0: Mm. Can't wait to see this and experience it. Euronised yeah. Radio 89.7 FM This is Arts Monday Sympoesis streaming to you from the Gethigal Land of the Eora Nation. I am in conversation to choreographer Sarah Black, and we are listening to the track by the composer Alex Dennison, who has worked with Sarah on the new dance piece called Double Beat, which will premiere at the Riverside Theaters in Parramatta on 5th of May, and it will run from 5th to 7th of May, so in a couple of weeks. And as we are learning from Sarah, the work is still very much in development, and some creative choices are still being made which is an interesting process because maybe uh, most of people think that this kind of works are, you know, uh, done and dusted by this uh, point, you know, 10 days before yeah. the premiere, but it's interesting to hear that everything will actually emerge at the very last minute and you're still very much in the process of uh, working with dancers and developing the movement. Yeah, languages, that's right. Mm. Yeah,
1: and I mean, in some, for some shows when you are really, uh, say, making steps, then you can get to this point and it is a lot about cleaning um, and making sure, you know, sections are together and that the qualities are specific. But with this, um, it's felt like we really wanted to sit in those moments a little bit more and keep keep playing with them, but also because it is improvised, keep them fresh. And to set things and settle in things too early, um, I didn't want to kind of everybody to get into knowing what it was um, which sounds like a strange thing to say <laughs> mm-hmm. but to sort of keep surprising themselves a little bit and keep playing with his ideas right up until the show, show goes up but by the end of this week it will be it will be relatively settled in terms of all the design elements and the structure of the work mm. but yeah as you say it will still be a very new experience for them there will only be a few days of really knowing the score very well from beginning to end before we open but that's an exciting part of it as well
0: mm. and speaking about the score you have been saying how one of the main things that you're hoping is that dancers remain honest to their original experiences mm-hmm. Do you, by that mean, that uh, when they perform, they will carry within themselves memories of experiences of these different sites that you took them on, and there will be sections in the work where they will be reminiscing about those different sites, such as the, you know, concrete parking lot or a yes. side and all yeah, that. Yeah,
1: that's exactly right. Yeah, so that they'll be, um, which has been difficult in terms of. Finding lengths of sections and, and queuing out of them because the dancers have also said, Oh, I'm very focused inwards in a lot of sections. So time can pass. Mm. <laughs> so trying to find ways that they can communicate with each other and also through the sound with Alex to go, Okay, now we're sort of moved into this place now. But yes, that they are almost sort of transporting themselves in a way to a place either that they can see themselves in the place and see the textures of it feel what the air was like, um, hear the sounds. And in, in other cases, it's that yeah, it may be fainter, it may be more of a memory and they know where they are, they know they're on the stage um, and they're just letting that memory kind of sit at the back of their head to guide them. But, yeah, that they they can sort of shift from one zone to the next. It's created a very interesting, um, when we sort of make work, we, we name sections. Mm-hmm. And it, it's got some very, you know, we've got sections that are called upper car park, lower park, car park, lagoon, river, chamber, <laughs> and everybody knows what it is and what it means. And it's, it means a lot to them, but for somebody else who walked into the room, it would be an interesting list of parts of the work, that's for sure.
0: Mm. Is there a reason why three dancers, why the work was envisioned with uh, as a dance trio?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I knew I wanted to keep it intimate and have a, a smaller cast, so you could really get to know the entire cast through the duration of the work. And for me, the dynamic of two to the dynamic of three is a really big shift. It changes the way we view them as a relationship. So to have three, it kind of really kicks kicks that relationship dynamic out a little bit. I think that's often the case with any odd number. With dance, if you, as soon as you have an even number, you often sit into pairings. Mm. But with three, for me, it really represent, keep it intimate, but represent a community still and allow us to see three very different experiences. So for each of them in all of these locations, as I've said, they had quite different responses a lot of the time. So we get to see those different voices within the three which, yeah, I really enjoy that, that dynamic.
0: And speaking about the voices, could you introduce those dancers to us? And also, were you going through a detailed selection process of who those three will be in order to represent maybe three different types of bodies or yeah. personalities? Yeah,
1: well, from um, we've had a few cast changes over the years because this project was actually meant to premiere two years ago, but COVID has caught us out both years. Um, So we're finally there. And our wonderful cast that we've got um, is Samantha Hines, Isabella Estrella and Sophia Ndaba. And for me, I, I know them all as dancers and I know how strong they are technically, but that they're also strong improvisers and very good communicators particularly. And I know that the kind of energy that they have and the energy that they'll bring to the room is really important to me and that they will work well as a three because we want to do a lot of what well, we are doing, a lot of improvising and um, really subtle communication work. So, yeah, there was it was actually quite difficult to, to find people that could tap into that and that I would be able to trust could hold that in a performance setting as well. So uh, I ha- haven't choreographed. Uh, on any of them before but have you know know them from other people's work and worked with some of them on other projects as a dancer and it's yeah it's been a really wonderful process to have them on board.
0: You're on Easter Radio 89.7 FM this is Arts Monday Simpoesis and we are in conversation with choreographer Sarah Black talking about her dance piece Double Beat which will premiere at the Riverside Theatres in Parramatta on 5th of May. Let's have a short music break and then mm-hmm. we will come back and find out more about the various ways this work can be experienced, including the educational programs that have been developed alongside the performances. <laughs> Let the
1: you
0: It's Radio eighty nine point seven FM. This is Arts Monday, Simpoesis, and we are streaming to you here from Paddington, the Gadigal land of the Eora Nation. Today, I am in conversation with choreographer Sarah Black, and we are talking about a dance piece that will premiere at the River Theatres in Parramatta on fifth of May. Sarah, one of the ways to experience this work uh, for those who can't physically be in the space will be online through something, I suppose, like Zoom performance. And I'm Mm. curious if this online component changes the way you make the work in any way, having in mind, for instance, where the performance needs to be positioned in the space so the camera captures them and so on. Does it add anything to the development process?
1: Um, Yeah, I I mean, it's definitely something we have to keep in mind as to how how this can be captured and that that experience can be enjoyed in the same way. I mean, there's pros to both of experiencing it live and being in the room, Mm -hmm. but there's also a level of intimacy that you can get from working with the camera as well. And those sort of close-up moments in reading the body is also, yeah, a really wonderful way to view dance. So I wouldn't say it's changed anything specific, but just to sort of keep it, keep that in mind. Um, so, yeah, there'll be multiple cameras in the space that will capture all of those, yeah, more intimate moments as well. And it's just a great opportunity for people who can't make it to the theatre for whatever reason, especially in these COVID times, to be able to still have access to the work means a lot to us. So... Yeah, it's been a really good opportunity for us to be able to do the live stream as well.
0: Mm, and we are calling it live stream. Does it literally mean it will be streamed in the real time or will it be recorded and then edited? And
1: Yeah, I think it may be a recorded from the Friday night to stream on the Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm sure a lot of the editing may be done in the live as well, though. But if anything needs to be checked, then they can they can do that too. Mm. Um, to my knowledge, yeah,
0: <laughs> mm. it's yeah. a wonderful way also to share the performances with international audiences. I suppose yeah, people who are not in Australia. And I know that you lived for a while overseas.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's really great to be able to share that with with people that. Uh, yeah, I was living in London for quite a few years, so it's nice to have those connections to Europe as well and say to people, you can still, it's almost like you're here or people that, you know, are from here, but are somewhere else. to kind of connect back to and watch people that they may know and still be a part of that community. It's sort of more of a global community rather than just here in Sydney.
0: Mm. And uh, how long have you been overseas and is uh, Sydney now where you're based and staying?
1: I'm um, actually I was living in Sydney before covid and now living in Canberra. So mm. that's a recent move, but we sort of have done both developed there was a development before I moved here in Sydney and then yeah coming back for this one. Yeah, it's been nice to be back mm. and <laughs> see so see the beach as well. Yeah. But yeah, living living overseas for a few years before that, but um Australia's been home for about 7 years now.
0: Mm. Yeah, And is there a plan, given that you live in Canberra, is there a plan to tour this piece uh, interstate as well? Yeah, Yeah.
1: hopefully. That would be great. Yeah, we'd love to. And that was another um, real focus in making the work. And and I I really wanted to keep it more about choreography for me, um, but it was also to go, okay, I want something that we can take to a lot of different venues and more regional venues and take this work to spaces that may not have all of those, you know, fancier things in terms of projection and things like that. We don't need to travel with them. We just need the dancers and the lights and we can bring bring the work to as many people as possible, which is the plan down the line. Mm. Yeah.
0: Given that the work is developed on these various sites, some of which are outdoors, I'm wondering if mm-hmm. at any point you have considered staging this work in an outdoor environment, something that's not a traditional stage
1: that would be wonderful yeah and is um it is very specific to particular locations um and we've also spoken about that in terms of if we ever had to replace cast members i've said well i'm going to need to take them on a little tour of all these places that we've been to um mm. unless but you know i guess the locations could also shift from Um, show to show depending on where we are as well there is that sort of flexibility too to go we could have these new explorations in different sites and bring that into the work and same as if yeah we weren't in a theatre that would be quite magical to take the audience on a journey through a location and then show them a response from the cast absolutely that would be great
0: Speaking about locations, I'm just going to play in the background also a track that was sent to us by Alex Dennison And this is uh, her taking some field recordings in the areas, I think, that were affected by bushfires. Yeah. So one of the elements of this piece is also, as far as I understand, concern <laughs> with climate change and biodiversity. Yeah. And I know as you mentioned, the piece originally started with you recognizing the heartbeat of your five week old baby at a time yeah and yep. then it developed it seems to me into something a bit more global and it incorporates these environmental concerns. Can you speak about that a little bit yeah so in,
1: in that first development with particularly with Alex starting to take some recordings just from the environment around us and also birds and elements of nature from where we were working at that time. After that development, we were all hit by the bushfires and just the idea of these rhythms that we've been working with and these sounds we were responding to, hearing people talk about their experiences in the fires and the sound after, the sound of those locations in terms of, all of yeah, that biodiversity gone and all of the animals that needed to were either killed or fled and the idea that those sounds could, could one day be gone kind of hit us hard um, and that was initially when we were meant to do the last development into the season was just after the bushfires so we were talking about doing some responses in those areas and also Alex recording a lot of those locations as well. So we didn't get to the physical recordings now that everything has regenerated, now that we've come back, which is amazing and beautiful. Um, but Alex did manage to still get some recordings. I think the one you're listening to is from Dumbogan in North New South Wales, who unfortunately were then hit by floods as well, not long after the bushfires while she was up there. So in that recording, she was saying that everything is just completely black. But it was still, it was at that point where things were starting to return. So there was a little bit of bird song. A little bit of insect sound but yeah not what it would usually have been at that time of year and then this time around right before we were about to start the floods had come through so we spoke about doing some research in some of those locations to see just how that kind of impact affects our bodies in those spaces um, and we did go to the amazing lagoon out in Pitt Town, which had had the flood come through and it was you know quite a few weeks maybe even a month and a half after and still the the mud and the, the sort of density of the mud in that location was so apparent to us and it was almost the best way to describe the sense of it as well and the sound of it was muddy Because the mud mud had come through and it was about halfway up the trees there still. So there was this sort of encasing of mud all over everything. And the sound, it was almost like most of the sound was above us in the really tops of the trees. And everything at the bottom, you know, we would get some frogs every now and again. But it just sort of had this density to it, which was really interesting. After all the different locations we'd been into to sort of finish up there and see that impact of the environment. So it's sort of yeah, tapping into this imagining of what may happen if things carry on as they they are at the moment. But I wanted to in referencing these things, I didn't want to make a show that was really heavy or traumatic. I wanted to sort of touch on it and reference it but but also go Isn't nature amazing? Aren't our bodies amazing? Our bodies are nature and there is this connection here to Mm. sort of almost more inspire to go, this is all really important to us and we need to take care of it. We need to take care of ourselves and our amazing systems and take care of the environment around us because we need it. It supports us. And in all of the places that we go to in the research we've been doing, It's those beautiful spots in nature that make us feel most at ease most of the time. And, you know, most Mm. people know that from just the joy of going on a holiday or going to the beach and you go, ah. (laughs) And if we start to lose these places, how will that impact our nervous systems if we don't have that connection anymore? Mm. So, yeah, sort of touching on it without it being... A traumatic experience Mm. to go and see the show, (laughs) to be able to go and see the show and sort of reflect on it and Mm. go, yeah, wow, our bodies and our environments are are amazing things. Yeah. Mm.
0: You have spoken about inspiring the care for environment and also mm-hmm. thinking about the future and what is ahead of us and what we need to do in order to protect our environment and also protect the way that we feel because we are, as you say, interrelated. And one yeah. of the elements of this whole work is also an education program for the schools that you have developed. Yes, Yeah. And that very much is encouraging the children from what I was reading to think about this relationship and how different sides make them feel and what Mm -hmm. kind of movements can emerge from that. Also, working with meditation with them, this uh, heart-written meditation that you have developed. That's right. So when did this idea to um, broaden, I guess, the scope of the project came about?
1: Yeah, well, Form Dance Projects who are presenting the work um, at the Riverside Theatres, they all often do a school's program connected to seeing the show. So we're talking about what that could be, what that process could be, and it just brought up how much there is within the work that's really beneficial for, I mean, not just kids, but for everybody to connect to really in a, in a, um, a workshop kind of format. And in that process of writing that, realising what was available to them in terms of anatomy, um, our connections to nature, how our systems work similarly to the systems in nature, but also, yeah, meditation, connecting in with the body and physical sensations and tapping into how environments impact us. So looking almost at the the sciences that they would already be studying and pulling that into the studio and working with their own bodies rather than looking at a textbook, but going, okay, well, this is my body. Mm That's how I work. Like I think quite often we remove ourselves from those learnings. Somehow we see a picture and we go, yep, this is a body system and we can notate these things and we can memorize them, but we often, for some reason, don't connect it inwards. So seeing it as an opportunity for them to understand Mm -hmm. their individual body and how it works and it is so individual how we all feel and feel in different spaces and how our individual bodies operate. So giving them the chance to really tap into that but then see the show and have that reflective time of 50 minutes to go, oh, these are all the things that we talked about and learned. Now I can sit and watch this and absorb it. Mm. Um,
0: and see how something can be created, something creative yes. can be created from stepping into any idea that we have which is yeah that's so wonderful when the artists come to education system and fills in the gap that often exists as you speak you know education is all about being in our heads in our brains but really, it's all about accessing all the other parts of our body and sensorial inputs that inform yeah so that's much. right and
1: that's how we you know most of us are better at learning that way (laughs) we're better at learning and you know with the sort of watching and observing and then copying um and for a lot of kids writing isn't isn't doesn't work for them um so to be in a space where you can just talk about things and experience them and share things in groups talk in small groups and reflect on it can be a really great way for people to learn and actually remember (laughs) remember those experiences rather than um just memorizing Lists of things, yeah. So it can, dance can be a really great way of tapping into all sorts of different parts of the curriculum, really. Um, it's just about knowing how to facilitate it.
0: Mm. I'm very happy that you're doing this, Sarah. And I'm no, uh, grateful that you have taken time, I know, in a very busy period for you of developing the double beat oh, to okay, talk either. to us on Easter. No, it's good. Thank so, you. No,
1: it's often good to just... Yeah, keep talking it out and then go in the studio and go, that's right, yeah, have a little revelation this morning. Yeah, Yeah, so it's good. Thank you.
0: Now that you mentioned that, actually one other question I might ask is, and I'm often curious with creatives, um, how do you feel about expressing the ideas to others and how early in the process are you ready to start doing that? Is there a moment where you just feel like you need to, for a while, just sit with that idea and not allow other opinions to infiltrate the process
1: yeah that's a tricky one Um, I think it's about knowing the right people to start with that you feel comfortable sharing ideas with um, and then sort of introducing more and more as you go but I feel like yeah for me I, I really enjoy working collaboratively with people and building a team when I'm by myself, I go a bit crazy <laughs> and find it hard to sort of move forward. So I love having, like, you know, working with all of these designers and creators and the, um, the dancers in the studio have had a huge input into the process and allowing the sort of bouncing of ideas off each other works best for me. And giving giving that seed of, you know, my original concept and then going, well, where would you go with that? And um, particularly working with Alex with the sound, as you can see, so much has come from that collaboration process. So, yeah, for me, sharing and opening things out and letting others bring things in is something I really enjoy. And then, yes, there is in that. So this week we'll be sharing our process with two other choreographers, Narelle Benjamin and Martin Delamo will come and see and give some feedback Mm. Um, and... Hopefully, (laughs) it won't be something that we go. Oh my god, we have to change some things. Um, But yeah, I think it's important to have those outside eyes come in and go. Oh, actually, yeah this this doesn't quite sit for me, or this feels too long. Um, Yeah, or have have you thought about flipping these two things and changing? The order, things like that, yeah, I think is really beneficial because you can get a bit lost in it as well sometimes. Mm,
0: you're too close mm. to it to, to see. Yeah, it, that's like, right. I feel the whole thing. Well, yeah, Sarah... it's like
1: having an editor, you know, exactly. or a producer. Or yeah.
0: a dramaturg. Would that be a dramaturg that does something like that? Yes, yeah. yes, mm. that's right. Yeah, mm. that's
1: right. Absolutely.
0: Which is interesting. I was actually thinking how close a uh, dramaturg is to what editor is in the film um, yeah, world. Yeah, yeah, was... that's right. Yeah, I'm glad you confirmed that because I had this thought this morning whether it's kind of a similar role. Yeah, it seems to be. Mm.
1: Yeah, it is. And they can sort of come in and go, well, what are you trying to say here? Because actually, it's not really reading from the outside. Mm. Um, So, yeah, having that person go, "Mm, actually, I think if that's what you're wanting to say, then you need to shift these things. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, because if you, you, you like, you, you know, if you're writing something, you go, well, I understand it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so to have that person come in and go, oh, well, not everybody's coming from your brain. So how can we make this work? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a very important role
0: you're on easter radio 89.7 fm i was just uh, in conversation uh, with choreographer sarah black and we were talking about double beat a performance for three dancers that explores the oral and physical responses the heart and pulse present in differing emotional and physical states including those affected by the climate change Double Beat is showing at the Riverside Theatres in Parramatta from 5th to 7th of May. And you can find out more about it and purchase the tickets through riversideparramatta.com.au. And on the homepage, you will find a box that says Double Beat Sarah Black. So click on that box and you will find all the information there. Your Nissad Radio, 89.7 FM. <music>